Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. My name is Will, and it's my joy to be able to step in and be with you all. I don't have a lot of time to waste because we've got a lot to talk about this morning. Uh, let me just tell you where we're going. Uh, happy Father's Day. It's Father's Day, and uh, even in the midst of everything going on societally, I want to speak to the dads in uh, the in the room. I want to speak to uh, the current dads, maybe dads with grown kids, and then even those who hope to be a dad one day. That's who I'm talking about this morning. And I want to encourage you, fathers, in the role that you play, because what you need to hear this morning is that the role you play with your family, with your children, is absolutely essential. And the role you play not only will bring flourishing to your family, it will do the same to your church, and it will ultimately do the same with our nation. My main point that I want to just consider with you uh, this morning is this. Great nations begin with faithful fathers. Great nations begin with faithful fathers. And uh, as we look at that, what we're going to consider is one of the great dads throughout all human history. He even has a song written about him. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. We're going to be looking at uh, some words given to Abraham that I think will be very helpful for us as dads, especially in kind of the cultural moment that we find ourselves in right now. Let me encourage you to turn over to Genesis chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. Uh, just two verses we're going to be considering this morning. Genesis chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. Let me read these over us, and I'm going to pray, invite God to speak to us, and uh, we're going to unpack this passage together. Verse 18 of Genesis 18 says, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a great and mighty nation, and that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised to him. God, great nations begin with faithful fathers. Help us see the role that we play. God, uplift those who are fathers in our midst this morning and those who desire to be. Help us see what you're calling us to, and may we not shrink back from this incredible calling that you've placed on our lives. Meet us through your living and active word, we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of God the Father, and in the name of our matchless Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Great nations begin with faithful fathers. Three points I want to look at you uh, with you this morning at. Number one, we're going to look at the promise of a great nation to Abraham. Number two, the condition of that promise. And then number three, the fulfillment of that condition. Promise of a great nation condition of that promise, and then lastly, the fulfillment of that condition. This story is focused on a promise of a great nation. It begins Abraham's story with God coming to him when he had no children of his own. He had some relatives 
uh, and he had uh, kind of his people that he was a part of, but no children of his own. And God promises that he's going to have tons of kids. Even in his old age, he is going to be uh, a father. Uh, we could say for Abraham, what's promised to him is that he will one day not just celebrate his dad on Father's Day, but he will one day if Father's Day were a thing back then, be celebrated as a father himself. He's going to have kids, and what's promised to him is that those kids are going to become a great nation. Through his offspring, a great nation will be born. And this is going to be a nation that has God's blessing and favor on it. This is going to be a nation that has God's laws, that uphold God's plan for human dignity and flourishing. This is going to be a nation where there is provision of food and prosperity. And ultimately, this nation that's going to come through Abraham's kids is going to be a blessing to all other nations. That's the promise that's given to Abraham. And what I just want us to step back and consider is that really what's being promised to Abraham here is the longing of every human on the face of the earth. Because we all want the kind of nation that I'm describing to you this morning. We all want a nation with just laws and righteous people executing those laws. We all want a nation where there is provision and opportunity for everyone. We all want to live in a nation that is even a shining example for other nations so that the rest of the world can even be blessed and flourished. This is a grand and massive vision that is being promised to Abraham and that I'm uh, uh, saying that we all would aspire to. It's a really big thing, but I want you dads to see that this great, mighty nation actually begins with something very small. God comes to Abraham and promises him a great nation, but the way that great nation will come about will not primarily be through government programs, electing the right people, or through political activism, though all of those things play a role. This great nation that is promised to Abraham begins with something small. It begins with faithful fathers. Great nations begin with faithful fathers. Verse 18 God uh, describes this great and mighty nation, this grand vision that Abraham is going to be a part of, but verse 19 shifts to something small with very small people. Verse 18, great and mighty nation. Verse 19, command your children. Great nations begin with faithful fathers. We talk a lot about the founding fathers of this nation. What I want us to realize, though, is that really every single dad is a founding father of a nation. Because what dads do and teach in their home will ultimately be reflected in the society that we live in. And part of the problem of what we're seeing in our society right now is dads abdicating their role to lead their children, and the consequences of that begin to unravel the society that we live in. So listen to me, dads. Hear me on this. If you want to be a part of something really great, if you want to make a big impact with your life, focus on something small, or should I say someone small. Being a dad, as by being a dad, you might just change the world. Your work, your example, your teaching the little ones that God has entrusted to you will ultimately shape 
society. We want to have a nation that functions the way I'm describing. It begins in the home with faithful fathers, where fathers step up to the plate in leading their home, leading their kids, leading their wives, societies flourish. Where fathers step back on this role and allow someone else to do it, societies fall apart. So number one, there's the promise of a great nation to Abraham. And step one to begin fulfilling that promise is through Abraham being a faithful father, commanding his children. Now, I want to move to our second point and consider the condition of that promise. So God comes to Abraham and promises, you're going to be a part of this great and mighty nation. It's going to come through your offspring, but there is a condition that will bring that promise about. Uh, this is not just going to, to happen uh, without a part that, to play on Abraham's offspring. So we heard the promise back in the beginning of verse 18, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. That's the promise. At the bottom of verse 19 is the condition of that promise. So that the Lord might bring to Abraham what he has promised him. The so that is the condition, and that's what I want to focus on you with you now. Verse 19 says, For I have chosen him, speaking of Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Dads, it's not enough for us to simply have kids. That's the easy part, especially for us. It, in order for our kids to be a part of a flourishing great nation like we're talking about, there are things that we have to actually um, impart to our kids. It begins by commanding the way of the Lord. Uh, it begins as fathers by us recognizing there are two paths we can command our kids to go on. We can uh, encourage our kids to go on. We can allow them to go on a path that rejects God as Lord and does what's right in the sight of themselves, in the sight of man, or we can uh, command them to acknowledge that God is Lord and to submit to Him in everything. So what is going to happen in this passage is that God is going to move from commanding a broad way of following Him to a couple specific things that we need to focus on as dads in order for our kids to walk in the way of the Lord. Number one, we are, command, we are to command them to do righteousness. Let's focus on that word first. What does that mean? To do righteousness is to keep with God's moral commands. To be righteous is to look at God's will, not our own, to look at God's will expressed in his word and to live according to it. Dads, we are called to teach our children to not do what is right in their own sight, but to walk in His commandments. Fathers, very practically speaking, teach your children the Ten Commandments. Teach your children. You do it. Not, uh, you know, not the Whitleys, though they have a vital role. Dads, you teach your children the Ten Commandments. You teach your children the Sermon on the Mount. You teach their, your children the fruits of the Spirit and what it is to love your neighbor. This is the first responsibility that we have on us as fathers, to teach our children to do what is righteous. 
I was having a conversation with my kids over dinner the other day, and I was talking about some of God's commands because I want them to live according to what's righteous. And one of my kids says, well, you know, uh, what's an example of God's commandments? Don't lie. Um, another one of them says, don't steal. I go to my four-year-old, who is my harshest critic in life. Man, she is sure to point out uh, all, all of my shortcomings. And she says, uh, one of God's command is to not chop down your neighbor's tree. Why would she say that? Well, uh, a few weeks ago, I was building a fence, and I had actually gotten my property line a little bit messed up, and I went over and cut a rather large tree that belonged to my neighbor down, and then when the server, surveyor came in to show me my actual property line, it was very clear uh, that the tree that I had cut down was not my own, and I did something that was unrighteous. Now, I was not mad at my four-year-old at that moment for pointing that out, because there are actually laws in the Old Testament that uh, deal with uh, property lines and how we shouldn't move property lines and uh, all of those kinds of things. So what I realized in that moment was that I was actually doing a wonderful job of communicating to my children uh, the laws of God because they were so quick to recognize that I had broken God's law by uh, not getting my property line right and cutting my neighbor's tree down. The point is this, dads. We are commanded to teach our kids righteousness, to teach God's law, what it is to live according to His will and to actually walk it out. And then number two, we are to teach our children's children to do justice. Listen, there is a lot of controversy in Christian circles right now about this word justice, and there really shouldn't be. This is what justice is all about. Justice, the second phrase here, so righteousness and justice that Abraham is to teach his children, justice recognizes that people do not always do what is right. People do what is wrong. Justice is seeking to make right what was wrong. Justice is seeking to make what was wrong right again. And so there's two directions that justice can flow. Number one, there can be injustice in our relationship with God. We can do what is wrong in His sight, and so justice with our vertical relationship with God is Him making right what we have done wrong to Him by uh, pouring out His judgment on us. But there's also doing what is wrong in human relationships. You can have injustice with God. You can have injustice in our human relationships with one another. Uh, there's a sense in which we could say that injustice is basically taking the greatest commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself, and doing the opposite of those things, where we are not giving God the love that He is due, nor are we treating people the way that we ourselves would want to be treated. That's when injustice is taking place. And listen, uh, an illustration of injustice is demonstrated in the following verses of the passage that we're in this morning. So, uh, what happens next is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, where wickedness is running rampant. And the, the uh, messengers of God are able to observe in this city, Sodom and Gomorrah, that people are wicked on both fronts. They are rejecting God and doing as they please, and they are being oppressive even to one another. They are treating each other wickedly in that place. And so Abraham asks this question concerning justice with Sodom and Gomorrah. Shall not the judge of all the earth, do what is just. This is what's happening. Abraham can behold that in this city, what is wrong is taking place. 
He's simply asking the question, is God going to make it right? Is God going to handle this wrong situation the right way? So the reason that I bring up this kind of two levels of justice, both vertical and horizontal in our relationships with God and with each other, is that I think it helps clarify some of the moment that we are living in right now. A lot of Christians wrestle with the concept of justice. So, for example, in our church, we sing this song, Let Justice Roll Like a River. And uh, it comes out of Amos chapter 6. And some people, what they hear when we're saying that is when we are saying let justice roll, what we are praying and singing about is that God would pour out his wrath on our enemies, that God would bring judgment to people who are doing what's wrong, which is a bit of a conflict for us as a Christian because we're supposed to pray for our enemies and seek mercy for them, which is certainly true. But listen to me, justice is not just our relationship with God. Justice also has to do with our relationships with each other. So when we are praying and asking for justice to come, what we are singing and praying and asking for is, Lord, let what is wrong in human societies be made right where people are treated wrongly, where dignity is taken, where evil runs rampant. Lord, please make these things right. That should not be controversial. We as God's people should desire for uh, what is right to function in human relationships. So dads, this is how it plays out with us. We are called to raise kids who care when human relationships are not functioning properly. We are called to raise kids who do justice and as such care about unborn babies who are treated as disposable. We are called to raise kids who would care if a kid in their class was being bullied because of a disability. That's not right. They should care about that. We are called to raise kids who care when people are treated by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character, to care about our country's history of injustice for people of color, and to desire to see liberty and justice for all. We are called to raise kids who care about the treatment of the sojourner, to be burdened by human trafficking in America around the globe when it says that we are called to raise kids who do justice. We are called to raise kids who stand up for the voiceless, the powerless, and who seek to make things right where they have gone wrong. I don't think this should be controversial. I don't think this should be controversial. I don't think we should allow the culture to uh, rob this word justice from our vocabulary. I recognize that living in a fallen world, what is just and what is right in every human situation is not always clear and is sometimes very complicated. But the fact that we should desire justice, that we should seek to do uh, what we can to bring more of a just and right world, this should not be controversial. We are to command our kids to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is both righteous and just. I can maybe illustrate it to you, the role we play as fathers like this. I've got these tattoos of arrows on my arms. I don't know how you feel about tattoos. Each one of them represents one of my kids. I actually need another one because I had my fourth kid in the past year, but the tattoo shops have been closed and at home, uh, homemade tattoos usually don't turn out very well. Uh, but this comes out of uh, the, phrase, the verse in Psalm 127.4 that says, children are like arrows in the hands of the warrior. This is what... Uh, this illustrates to me. 
I've got about 18 short years with my kids in my house. I want to do everything I can to, number one, teach them to walk rightly in the sight of God, to uphold His commandments and to uh, follow Jesus with everything inside of them. And then number two, when it's time for them to go, I want to launch them out as arrows in the world who are burdened by things that are wrong and desire, by God's help, to make them right. And dads, I want to communicate to you to have a similar vision for your kids, to train them in the time that they have with you, to then be sent forth into the world, to make an impact, to make a difference on all manner of wrong things that happen in our world. I want our kids to be committed to under God's provision, under God's guidance, seeking to make these things right. So, we considered the promise for a great nation that would come through Abraham. We looked at a condition of that promise, that it will begin, this great nation, with fathers being faithful, being faithful to teach their kids to uh, do what is righteous in the sight of God and to bring justice where wrong things are taking place in human society. That's the promise. That's the condition. Let's now look at how that is fulfilled. What we now have, though, is a massive, massive problem. Promise of a great nation, the nation we all want to be a part of, is conditioned upon Abraham and his descendants doing what is right and just in the world. Problem is, Abraham didn't live righteously, nor did his kids or his grandkids. The people of Israel failed time and time again to uphold justice and at times became an absolutely wicked society. And this is not unique to Israel. Every single nation on the face of the earth has failed to live up to this standard, including the United States. And even as faithful dads have tried, they and their children have failed to keep the way of the Lord. And it's important for us to note, as I talk about us sending forth our kids in the world to, to fix broken things and to make right what's wrong, we can make some kind of impact, but we will never with our natural abilities be able to create the kind of nation that we talked about at the beginning. So there's the condition for this great nation. There is uh, a, a, there's the promise of a great nation, the condition of how it will be fulfilled by Abraham's offspring. But we can't seem to bring this about except for one. The condition to walk in the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice was not fulfilled by Isaac, Abraham's son, was not fulfilled by his grandson, Jacob, or Moses, or David, or any other descendant of Abraham. No one did what was the carried out as the condition of this promise until we meet Jesus. Do you know what the very first words in the New Testament are? Jesus Christ, the, gene, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So as soon as Jesus steps on the scene, the writers of the New Testament connect him back to Abraham saying, 
He is Abraham's offspring. Now, was Jesus able to do what Abraham's offspring was supposed to do? Walk in righteousness and fulfill justice? Number one, with righteousness. A few short chapters after connecting Jesus to Abraham, Jesus is led out into the wilderness to fast for 40 days where he is tempted by none other than Satan himself. Tempted time and time again to step out of God's will and to do what is unrighteous. And yet what we see Jesus doing, even in the wilderness and then through the rest of his life, is walking according to God's law perfectly. Where Abraham's descendants failed time and time again to do what is righteous, Jesus, through the moment he was born up until uh, the moment he dies, every single waking moment of his life, he does what is righteous. He fulfills righteousness. But what about justice? When this offspring of Abraham enters the world, does he make right what was once wrong? Well, Promise after promise is made in the Old Testament, especially in the minor prophets, the smaller books towards the latter part of the Old Testament, about a great judgment day. A day where God will finally wipe out enemies and all of, his, all of the evildoers in the world. And the Messiah would be the one to carry out justice to the fullest extent. His coming is described at the end of the New Testament as the great and terrible day of the Lord because he is coming to make right all of the things that are wrong in the world done by evildoers. But do you know when that great and terrible day of judgment was? This, my friends, is the great plot twist or the surprise ending to the Bible. Jesus brings justice and Jesus makes right what was wrong, not by destroying evildoers, but by being destroyed on the behalf of evildoers so that everything that we've done wrong in the sight of God can be made right. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I, who do wrong all of the time, can be made right, can be made just, can be justified in the sight of God. One of my favorite lines, lines from a hymn goes like this. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free because God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. What's being said there? The offspring of Abraham needed to come and bring justice. I and you and every human who's ever walked on the face of this earth has done wrong and we stand under God's judgment. And what would be just for him to do would be to punish us, uh, to destroy us for our sins. But instead, to fulfill justice, he sends forth his son into the world to be the one who would reap the consequences for all of our wrongdoing. And so God remains just, making wrong things right by pouring out all of the wrong things that we do on his son so that we can be counted free. Because the sinless savior died, my and your sinful soul is counted free because God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Jesus does righteousness by living a perfect life. Jesus does justice 
by dying on the cross in the place of the wicked, making all of our wrongs right. He now calls all men and women everywhere to be made right with God by turning from their unjust, wicked ways and believing in his name. He will come again one day to bring final judgment to all who reject him and continue in their wickedness. And you know what he's going to do when he does come? He's going to bring that great nation that was promised to Abraham. This great nation where everything works rightly and justly didn't happen with Israel. It will never ultimately happen with America or any other nation that follows afterwards. This nation will be brought about through the descendant of Abraham who will once and for all bring righteousness and justice when he returns. And we will live in this great nation, this new city that Jesus will bring about with God our Father forever. That is the good news that we put our hope in as believers. Let me pray for us now as uh, we send you into the rest of your week. God, we all want to be a part of this nation where just things work right and we don't see everything falling apart like we do around us. We want to be a part of this nation where people uphold your law and walk according to your will and where people who treat others rightly, where injustice does not take place. God, none of us can do this, but your son perfectly accomplished this. He brought perfect righteousness. He uh, died on the cross to satisfy your justice. And he will one day usher in a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness and justice reign perfectly forever. God, in the meantime, help us to be faithful with the families you've put us in. To, to train our children to walk in your commands, to run to Jesus when they fail and to be agents of justice in this world, not bringing your, your wrath, but bringing about rightness and dignity and humanity where those things are being robbed from people. God, make us agents of righteousness and justice as we wait for your return. Lord, we can never perfect this world on our own, but help us represent the world that we will one day be a part of in the way we interact with society today. Lord Jesus Christ, we worship you for being not only perfect and righteous, but for satisfying the demands of justice, making right what is so wrong about us when you died on the cross in our place. Jesus, we treasure you. Please hear our prayers, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.